The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, Matt Straub here welcoming you to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. It is the end of August. We are on the hunt for relevant players who can help us win our fantasy leagues. That is a task that is getting harder and harder with each passing day. It's a very narrow street of players who are playing well and haven't already yet been grabbed in a bunch of fantasy leagues. We're trying to find some names for you that might help you out. With me to do so is Nate Grimm. Nate Let's start in Oakland, where we've got a couple names to talk about. We'll start with Mark Canna. He's 40% rostered in Yahoo Leagues, and I think, depending on how competitive your league is, that may mean he's long gone. But uh, his last 11 games, he's hitting 469 with five homers, 11 RBIs, up to 22 home runs on the season. What's your outlook for him, for anyone who recently added him, or for someone who's lucky enough to still have him sitting on waivers? Yeah, I, um, I, I think he's... You know, a guy who, first of all, isn't really a household name as evidenced by that. I think if there were other guys having the kind of season that he was having, um, they would have been, they would be much more rostered, but because he's Mark Canna and because, you know, the, the A's sort of, um, you know, they, they cycle guys in, they use players sparingly. I mean, even Canna for as good of a season as he's having, you know, 275, 395, 46 slash, but they find spots for these guys. So he's only got 300 at bats. Um, you know, whereas on other teams, he might be an everyday player or, you know, a middle of the lineup guy, but no, I mean, going forward, you know, you obviously, you like that he's coming off the AL player of the week and he's having a career year. And like I said, I just rattled off his stat line, you know, 22 homers. I mean, um, he's just a guy that you're keeping in the lineup and, um, you know, like I said, I mean, if he's out there, uh, there, there's probably a good chance that there's someone that you can drop for him at this stage of the game. So, um, if he's out there, maybe take a look, try and pick him up. Uh, if you got him, just keep rolling with him. All right. Meanwhile, also in Oakland, Stephen Piscotti is injured. He's got an ankle injury. A report says that he could be out a while with that injury. So that brings us to Seth Brown, a guy who had 37 home runs at AAA, a 986 OPS, 104 RBIs in 112 games. We've talked quite a bit on this podcast uh, throughout the season how AAA numbers are a little silly this year, obviously. So... You know, we're not putting all the stock in the world into those numbers, but it's 37 homers and 104 RBIs obviously get our attention nonetheless. So what do you think of Brown as a guy to potentially pick up perhaps in deeper leagues or even standard size leagues? Uh, what, what do you make of this guy going forward? Yeah, he's definitely a guy who you should jump on if you're in a deeper league or an AL only league because guys like this aren't popping up. I mean, you know, September 1st will bring maybe some interesting names. Possibly we'll talk a little more about that later, but 
you know, in terms of guys who are getting called up at this stage of the game who might be fantasy players, um, he is one. And, you know, the power, like you mentioned, I mean, the power this year is kind of a silly season, but, I mean, he had 30 homers a couple <laughs> couple years ago in high A, so um, the power is also legitimate just kind of wherever he plays. So the only caveat with him is going to be the same caveat as we just talked about with Canna, which is the A's are very good about finding ways to keep everyone involved to – they're non-conventional in the way that they deploy players and, and their, you know, their insistence on playing Robbie Grossman is, is certainly unconventional. So, uh, you know, it's it's a thing where he may only be in the lineup three or four days a week because, um, you know, Bob Melvin is is changing his lineup and isn't rigidly uh, setting a lineup every day and, and rolling the same guys out there. He's, he's playing matchups. He's using the, the information that's available to him. So it might be a thing where you, in the early going, um, you know, if you're in a daily moves league, that's probably a place where he really pays off because you can get him in there when he's in there and you can sit him when he's not. Weekly leagues, you're running a chance that you're only getting half a week's worth of at-bats from a guy like that. But still a player to pick up, and, and maybe if he if he does kind of take off, um, you know, maybe he will garner more regular playing time down the stretch, and that's a guy you can just slot in there and, and really sort of enjoy the last month of production. We're going to keep it in the AL West for a moment to talk a guy we've talked about now a bunch of times over the course of the season. Willie Calhoun hitting 284 with nine home runs, 19 RBIs the last month for the Rangers. He remains relatively available in fantasy leagues, 35% rostered as of this taping. Um, he's basically been playing well for a while now. Uh, hasn't exactly, you know, taken off in terms of roster percentage. Does that make sense to you? Or is that something you can't quite wrap your head around? It's interesting. Certainly. Um, I, I don't know what, all as a play, I think I'm sure that there's some prospect fatigue slash post hype, you know, stuff going on there where we waited for Calhoun for a couple of years now. Um, anybody who's been paying attention has watched him kind of get, and uh, I don't say jerked around because obviously that's maybe unfair to uh, management in Texas that's been trying to get him to maximize his potential. But he's been, you know, he's been uh, um, sent down when he doesn't think that he's deserved it. He's been benched at times for, you know, perceived lack of effort or for other, you know, things that are kind of off the field. And so, you know, maybe there is some of that, uh, okay, you know, this guy, he's kind of fallen off some radars. But he's, he's a guy who's, who's always hit to the point where, you know, when he was with the Dodgers, people were like, where's he going to play? Sure, he can hit, but, you know, he can't even adequately field second base where they stick guys who can't hit. So it, now that he's in the, the AL... Um, you know, it's kind of a, a, a better fit for him. You can, you know, put him in there at DH. He doesn't have to worry about fielding. Um, but the bat's always played. So it's not surprising that he's doing this. And uh, I think that based on that, the number, the 35% number should be higher. Yeah, I mean, he has hit all year, by the way, as much as his season has been tumultuous, like you mentioned, um, you know, being sent down, etc. When he's been in the big leagues, he has flat out hit this year and has an 895 OPS for the season. So, and, and by the way, my one other thought is it's not just a case where fantasy owners are tuned out, because I'll use Kyle Seeger as a recent example. He's a guy we talked about last week on the podcast. Seeger started playing well. He's up to 54% rostered from 30-something last week, I believe. So, you know, numbers are changing pretty rapidly. So it's not just that uh, a bunch of leagues have kind of, you know, gone inactive or a bunch of owners are not paying attention. Sure. We now are going to have the the pleasant experience of spending a little time talking about the Marlins. Uh, <laughs> Starlin Castro uh, hasn't had a dynamic season, but he is playing well lately. The last month, he's got a 321 average with five home runs, 25 RBIs. He's a guy who's just 25% rostered, somewhat understandably so. I'll just... 
uh, combo it up with John Birdie, who has hit 306 with three homers, 11 RBIs, and six steals the last month. He is 19% rostered. Do you like either of these guys as, you know, middle infield pickups in fantasy leagues? Uh, yeah, I suppose that's, that's my question yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would say I'm more intrigued by Birdie because of the stolen base element. Um, you know, so he's shown obviously a little bit of pop and a little bit of speed and and those steals are so valuable that, that if I was looking to, uh, especially if I was looking for, you know, some speed, um, out of a player and I was looking to add a middle infielder, he'd be my pickup. But, you know, Castro is sort of the less surprising one because he's, uh, even through all of his travels, um, he's always hit, you know, and so, um, it's not surprising that here's a guy who's, who's rolling out of bed and, and hitting it's. It's a little bit interesting the timing of it because you know the Marlins um, called up Isan Diaz and and uh, he's supposed to be kind of the guy who then pushes Castro out of the picture and here now Castro maybe that lit a fire under him and and now he's um, saying hey watch this so the the thing with Castro is I mean, he's a guy who doesn't really run he hits for average but in that ballpark he's not going to hit a huge uh, you know home run total and so really you're looking at a guy who's you know one category maybe two categories mm-hmm. and that's about it at least birdie's giving you a little juice there so i i'm more interested in what birdie's doing yeah and the, the castro hot streak does kind of have the feeling of of one that may you know you may have already missed the best of it and that brings us to the next uh guy i want to talk about nick ahmed he has been hot eight homers and 25 rbis the last month he heading into monday though was over 14 the last four games a guy who's 35 percent rostered in yahoo leagues you know, you don't put too much into an 0 for 14 necessarily, but is your feeling with Ahmed that, okay, maybe we, if you didn't get in on this hot streak, it's too late? Or do you think there may be many more good days still to come? I I, I can't sort of rectify my feelings on <laughs> Nick Ahmed. I, I, I keep waiting for the bottom to drop out. And at a certain point, the bottom just isn't going to drop out of a guy, uh, but it's just he's he was for so long... The defense only, you know, light sure. hitting, bat him eighth in the National League lineup guy. And so I I refuse to believe that this is legitimate, you know, to my detriment. Because whoever, obviously, some guys picked him up and they've gotten 17 homers and 7 steals out of him. So um, he's certainly been valuable. But I just don't know that he's ever going to be a guy that I buy into. I know that, you know, Birdie's a great example. A guy who, who later in his career, you know, is now then producing. And then you don't, you sort of... I mean, you question it, but at a certain point, you just believe what you're seeing because you, you have to believe what you're seeing. And so Ahmed should be the same way that we should say, well, guys can change and, and guys can turn into, you know, I mean, how many examples do we have of guys who are hitting 30 home runs this year who were who are defense first guys or, or who are not highly regarded prospects who have turned into something for a number of reasons. So Ahmed should be part of that group. I just have never really bought into it and i still don't think i am so i i i maybe i'll just be the one watching but um but i'm not gonna be uh i'd rather take birdie than Ahmed. i think just just for you know he's sort of a more interesting player to me this season is full of examples like that where if you at some point had just kind of put aside your knowledge or or what you believed and correctly believed about a player you could have benefited like lucas giolito comes to mind if you picked him up at the beginning of the season and just kind of remembered okay this guy was a good prospect i'm going to put aside all the the data that tells me this could be a mirage same thing with like jorge soler for example a guy who has 36 home runs and 91 rbis like one of, it helped yeah one of the best examples uh danny santana you know sure. a guy who you just go oh well this is this will end it just hasn't ended it just kept right. going 
as an old school fantasy basketball player, I'm, I mean, fantasy baseball player and fantasy basketball player. I, I think of Jacques Jones that one year with Minnesota, like I just picked him up at the beginning of the season after a hot start. I kind of felt weird to do so, but like he ended up having a phenomenal year. Like it's almost like you want to have one spot on your roster that you just say, you know what, this is the spot on my roster where I'm just putting aside my, <laughs> you know, my preconceived <laughs> notions of a player and, and I will just pick up a Danny Santana or a Soler or a Giolito and just throw them in there and see what happens. It's, it's one of the, the prevailing thoughts, you know, among uh, fantasy, you know, the kind of community is that especially early in the season that you should have kind of the bottom of your roster should be expendable. And I don't know how many of that is a three or four or five guys. And you should just sort of churn through in hopes of spiking the Danny Santanas and the Jock Jones of the world. And sometimes you will drop, you know, in one league this year, I dropped Sonny Gray because, you know, I was trying to, to find the next uh, Lucas Giolito. Well, you know, instead I missed out on the next Sonny Gray. So um, there is some risk that comes with that. But I think that, yeah, that's definitely a, a strategy and one that's kind of promoted is don't be too in love with the bottom, you know, X number of players on your roster because you're going to miss out on the, the breakout seasons that are happening because you didn't get in early enough. By the way, I appreciate you humoring my Jacques Jones example there. <laughs> <laughs> that was very kind of you. Oh man, I don't know why I, I don't know why I think of that random example, but uh but I do. I, I think we all have we all have guys who stick in our minds as being, you know, <laughs> as, as shaping our fantasy experience. Right, exactly. All right, let's talk about a few pitchers who fall into this category of, of possibly being out there in your league or possibly a guy you've recently added or thought about adding and we're going to start with a very interesting name ivan nova the last month okay has a 0.92 era 1.00 whip only 20 k's in 39 innings 40 percent rostered in yahoo leagues obviously he was a terrifying option earlier in the year he was basically a stay away guy for much of this year i mean would you dare spot start him right now with the way he's throwing uh so <laughs> Sounds like there's a com- it's a complicated <laughs> it answer. It is. It's a very I'm, I'm conflicted here. The answer should be no. It should be a pretty hard and clear no. He's Ivan Nova. All the metrics say that he's a below average pitcher, even when he's doing this, you know, and that it's just basically luck. There's just something. I don't know what it is, but there's just something about. It. It's almost like the opposite of Nick Ahmed, where I'm, where like I've got this mental block where it's just like. You know, I, this doesn't surprise me too much. Like Ivan Nova, he's a, he's he's been good within recent memory, but you know, it's it's there's nothing that backs that up. So um, I I don't I, you know I, the good news is he plays in a division with the Tigers, so maybe if he draws a start against the Tigers, you can roll him out there. But I mean, it would have to be the the conditions would have to be right to even just for a spot start. But like, I'm not in like a hundred percent ruling out that I wouldn't do it. Okay, I'll buy that answer. I mean, look, like it's not even like he was totally horrendous last year. He just he wasn't good per se. And you know, four nineteen area one point two eight whip. It's not like he was a total disaster. Um, he's just not a big strikeout guy, and there's just not a lot of upside. But it, right, it's it's I, there's nothing. I don't know. It's it's I don't even have like a weird thing with him. You know, it's there's nothing. There's no you know affinity. He's not my Jock Jones. Right, but um. But, you know, it's, uh, it's it's for whatever reason, like, I, I guess it's just because there have been stretches where he's been good. And so I say, well, yeah, I can see that being a thing. But nothing, I mean, everything in his profile says that he's not a very good pitcher at this stage of his career. 
All right, uh, a couple more pitchers I want to run by you. I ran the name Adrian Hauser past Chris Crawford the other day, and he really was not feeling it. The last month for Hauser, a 254 ERA, 1.06 whip, 31 strikeouts in 28 and a third innings. He's 39% rostered in Yahoo. Do you agree with our colleague Chris Crawford or no on Adrian Hauser? No, you know, I'm 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 feeling a little bit more maybe than Chris is. Um, I He's doing some interesting things. I mean, he throws he throws pretty hard. You know, throws four pitches with with some degree of regularity, and even a you know a changeup more than than just one or two percent of the time. So you know, um, mixing pitches, throwing hard, different speeds. Um, obviously, like I said, having success. I uh, I there's something there. I think now. I mean, is it as with almost anybody that we talk about here? Is it to the level of what he's done over the last month? Probably not. He's not a two and a half ERA pitcher, but. You know, I mean, he's a guy who maybe could be like a four ERA pitcher or a high threes ERA pitcher. Um, and when you're playing for a team like the Brewers, you know, there's there's some merit in that. So I, uh, I'm I'm interested in him. He's a guy who I would have an easier time finding a, a situation to spot start uh, than Nova. All right, we're now going to before we completely fall off the table, we're going to dig really deep here. Drew Verhagen of the Tigers struck out 11 Twins his last time out, somewhat out of nowhere outing. He's got a 6.31 ERA and 1.68 WHIP on the season. However, in the month of August, he has a 2.57 ERA, 21 strikeouts in 21 innings. Obviously, 11 of those came in his last start. Uh, just two walks. This is a guy who's one percent rostered in Yahoo leagues. Last I checked. Is there any intrigue, any intrigue for you here in terms of just like a super deep league spot start, or is this just don't even go near it? I don't. The thing that's working against Verhagen is that the team that I would want to spot start him against is the team that he pitches for. <laughs> so it's it's really tough unless he's kind of got like a, an intra squad you know right. situation. We need him um, to get waived. We need him to get released. <laughs> right, right. Which is which is conflicting because that means he's really bad. So it's it's uh, it's hard to you know when the Tigers wave you, you're 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 in trouble. Um, so no, I, I I can't find mentally. I can't find a situation where I would feel good picking him up and spot starting him. Or, or he's you know sometimes they've used him as a reliever even. So um, you know so then you miss out on the possibility of even like a quality start or something, and then you're just hoping that he pitches well in that bulk relief thing and gets a win. So, you know, it's, I mean, it would have to be a deep ale only league where he's starting against like a, a getaway day Indians lineup or something. Like considerably worse idea than spot starting Ivan Nova is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Uh, one quick kind of piece of news before we get out of here, according to Ken Rosenthal of the athletic, the Dodgers are considering promoting their phenomenal shortstop prospect, Gavin Lux, in September. I don't know why I said prospect that way, but I did. Uh, <laughs> obviously, a guy who has you know generated a ton of intrigue. The 21-year-old has you know an OPS over 1,200, hitting 407 at AAA. I guess the question is, we're not we don't need to sit here and speculate. Will he get promoted or won't he? I think my question is, do you think there's a, a chance he gets promoted and actually gets enough at-bats to matter in fantasy leagues down the stretch? So there's a couple interesting things to consider when, when discussing this. The first is what you're saying, is that the Dodgers are a team that, almost in the mold of the A's, where they have a lot of players who are quasi-regulars or who are good enough to play, that they, they mix and match well, they get their guys' days off, they don't have a problem um, using their whole bench. And so that would be both good and bad for Lux, where, you know, where he wouldn't be buried necessarily. 
but he might not also run with the job. And so then, you know, you're talking about, again, it's a situation like we talked about earlier where you, know, you would, with uh, the A's with Seth uh, Brown, where you then say, well, in a daily moves league, cool, get him in there when he's in there and, and um, you know, you can bench him when he's not. The interesting thing, though, is that what the Dodgers did kind of buck that trend with Will Smith, where they called him up and he's basically mm-hmm. become their everyday catcher, a guy who you could easily see being used as a, a you know, twice a week, um, you know, get Austin Barnes a, a break kind of thing or, you know, promote Russell Martin. He can be the veteran leader of the, the staff and then, you know, you can sprinkle on the rookie. But, I mean, they've really sort of gone all in on Will Smith. And so that does give you pause that, that if Lux comes up and, and is, is tearing the cover off the ball, maybe the Dodgers are open to letting him to run with it. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, he's the, the good news is if he gets promoted, he's a guy that you probably want to run to the waiver wire and pick up for the chance that he is a stud and, and plays really well down, down the stretch in September for however long he's in there. So, you know, then once you have him, you can then decide what, you know, what he is and how the Dodgers are using him. But the big question is really, you know, getting him in the first place. And and I think he is a guy who's worth um, running to the wire to, to try and get if and when they do call him up. I thought you were going to say then once you have him, you go to your league mates and say, hey, guys, we should turn this into a keeper league uh, going <laughs> forward. He is he is 15 percent rostered in Yahoo League. So there really is some action to be taken here on Lux if you are feeling like making a move for an upside stash. Keep it in mind. That is about it for us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you may listen. If you could, take a moment to rate and review as well. If you want to follow us on Twitter, he is at Nate underscore Grimm. I am at Matt Straub. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Nate, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. And we'll talk to you soon. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.